Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Truth About Trucking, live, hosted by Alan Smith, a 30-year OTR veteran, business entrepreneur, and motor carrier transportation consultant, specializing in assisting students and new drivers, and pushing forward to raise the standards of the trucking industry. And now, live from beautiful Citrus County, Florida, here's your host, Alan Smith. I live every day in fear. They beat me. I had no idea it would be like this. I didn't think it would happen to me. I have nowhere else to go. The victims are everywhere. The International Rescue Committee helps free children, teenagers, men and women of any race or national origin from the horrors of modern-day slavery. Every day, thousands of people like us are victims of human trafficking. Look beneath the surface. Stop the exploitation. Ask the right questions. Look for clues and help identify these victims. You can make the difference in someone's life. To find out more, contact the International Rescue Committee at 888-60-ALERT. prosecuting. 
uh, those who are engaging in human trafficking. Uh, and we have to do that within our country. Sadly, there are thousands who are uh, trapped in various forms of uh, enslavement here in our country. Uh, oftentimes, uh, young women who are uh, caught up in prostitution. Uh, so we've got to give prosecutors the tools to crack down on these uh, human trafficking networks. Internationally, we've got to speak out, and we've got to forge alliances with other countries to share intelligence, to roll up the financing networks that are involved in them. Uh, it is a debasement of our common humanity whenever we see something like that taking place. Now, no administration that I'm aware of has furthered the cause of fighting human trafficking in America or around the globe. There are more slaves today than there were when slavery was legal in the 1830s. So hello everyone, I'm Alan Smith and this is Truth About Trucking Live, the premier trucking talk radio show on Blog Talk Radio. And now I'm honored to say that we are the premier talk show on the American Trucking Network at americantruckingnetwork.ning.com. And today is Wednesday, February 17, 2010, and our show this evening, Human Trafficking, Truckers' Call to Action. Human trafficking, modern-day slavery, with stories of farm labor camps, child sex rings, beatings, rape, and torture taking place all over the world, from Cambodia to the Ukraine, from Asia to Sweden, and yes, right here in America, even coming home right here in the Sunshine State. Slavery, you picture the past, right? History, not in Southwest Florida. It is happening to thousands of people right now, held against their will, tortured, raped, and fearing for their lives. But the nightmare is over, at least for some of the victims, who were chained to poles so they could not escape. As Fox 4's Erica Pitti explains from Immokalee, federal prosecutors have arrested these four men and two others, all from the Navarrete family, who were accused of forcing illegal immigrants into slavery for nearly three years. An indictment down from the United States District Court details a sad story of slavery right in southwest Florida. The U.S. attorney says an Immokalee family used force and violence against their workers to make them work in the fields. Although the Navarretes helped bring the illegal immigrants from Mexico to their home in Immokalee, they failed to pay them. Instead of paying their smuggling debt down through work, it went... The indictment points to an unhealthy living environment where the workers only got two meals a day, if any. In this indictment, the U.S. attorney says it was here at the Navarrete's home in Immokalee back in November when Cesar and Giovanni beat five of their workers, threw them in the back of that white box truck behind me without any food overnight, not only to keep them from leaving, to make sure they'd be available for work the next morning. This is, you know, something that just should not happen. That's what's happened in our area. It turns out in our area, this kind of crime is common. So we have different industries here that lend itself to slavery. The agricultural industry, which is in the present case. We have a tourist industry. We also have uh, a sex slave trade. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Those are the words from the 13th Amendment to the United States Constitution ratified December 6, 1865. Our special guest this evening is Kyla Lieberg of Chapter 61 Ministries in conjunction with Truckers Against Trafficking. 
and we are going to take a long, hard look at this horrific crime taking place right here in America and abroad. Kyla Lieberg has worked as a missionary in El Salvador and is a founding member of Chapter 61 Ministries, their website, chapter61.com, and she has been a major force in establishing efforts and fighting back against human trafficking in the state of Oklahoma, and she has written articles and editorials on the issue uh, for many publications and has provided presentations and webinars on human trafficking and came up with the idea of Truckers Against Trafficking and helps to educate about what you, as our nation's truckers, can do to help rescue victims of human trafficking. Uh, that website, truckersagainsttrafficking.com. So joining us from my home state of Oklahoma, Kyla Lieberg. So hello, Kyla. Welcome to the show. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How's the weather there? It's pretty nice. It's warming up a little bit. It's pretty good. No more snow. Well, that's good. I mean, my, my mother lives in Tulsa, so she keeps keeps me advised on the the ice and snow in there. So it is uh, a little crazy. I uh, I appreciate you being here, and I really admire you for all the work you do and the awareness you bring to this uh, horrible activity that goes on every day throughout the U.S. and the world, actually. So. Um, to begin with, just tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and how you got involved with the human trafficking issue. Well, um, my mother, about five years ago, gave my sisters and I uh, the book called Not for Sale. And she said, I, I urge you guys all to read this. I want it read pretty soon. And then she started harping on us about it. And if you know anything about my mother, um, she is extremely intense, and we don't tell her no. So we all read the book. And then she's like, I want to I wanna have a discussion about this. So we had like a big um, group phone conversation about this book. And we said, well, we should probably start an organization and start to do something about it since it is such a, a huge issue. And so we formed Chapter 61 Ministries. That's what we decided to do in order to combat human trafficking in each one of our states. We live in Texas, Oklahoma, Colorado, and Washington State. And so... Um, we just decided that we could take sort of a nationwide approach to the trafficking issue. We wanted to fight against injustice, and um, that's how that got started. Well, um, how how has the uh, the response? I mean, I know you you like I said you 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 give presentations and webinars and written a lot of articles. Um, what has been the response that you've received from people that? Uh, you know, after they hear about such such a thing, has it been, I mean, pretty positive or negative, or how's that been going? You know, you always encounter a little bit of resistance to it. I mean, people sort of bristle at that term slavery. They don't want to believe that it happens. I mean, you just quoted from the 13th Amendment to the Constitution. So obviously we have this block in our national psyche that slavery does not exist, that it hasn't existed since um, the Civil War times. And so when you mention that there's slavery in the world, when you mention that there's human trafficking, people are like, no, 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 that's not really slavery, that's not. But once you explain it, and they have the time to sort of process that concept and process the stories that they begin to hear, um, there's an outrage and an outcry from the public, um, whether that is our, our truckers campaign or just the general public when I've spoken at colleges across the state or um, to my students, I teach high school, um, to my students or to other people that I meet, they're really angry about it, and they want to know what they can do. It's sort of an overwhelming topic, but they want to know what they can do 
Um, we helped to form OATH here in Oklahoma. It's Oklahomans Against Trafficking Humans, and it's a statewide coalition, and, and there's lots of people in Oklahoma that have sort of come together on this issue. They want to do things, whether it's raising money for um, just a basic campaign or writing letters to their senators or helping to rework the laws or being trained to go and do speeches across town um, or buying fair trade, things of this nature. I mean, people want to do something to change it because it's such an awful, awful process. Well, you know, I was... Uh I kind of related a little bit to law enforcement because I was uh, when I was there in Oklahoma, I was a police officer and a deputy sheriff. And one thing I learned about law enforcement officers is they they see so much tragedy every day. I mean, just horrible things they go through every day. And one way of surviving that is to uh, just block it out, and um, it's just a survival mechanism. And I think right. that this is this is one topic where. It's so horrifying to believe that this is actually going on that many people will tend to just block it out. You know, it's so horrible I don't want to think about it. But, um, it's, it's, you know, we've got to talk about it. We've got to get it out there more. You just heard the President of the United States say it was a top priority. Um, the one reason I asked you about why you were, uh, what kind of response you were getting was because um, I got an email today, in fact, from an owner-operator just blasting, blasting me, asking me, why am I doing a show on this? Why don't I do a show about the real slavery of owner-operators making 90 cents a mile and not making a living and, and just going on and on? So we like to think that everybody would be on board with this, but there's always going to be those people that are going to fight against it. But do you think that this is a battle that can be won without the uh, interve intervention uh, by the government? Well, I mean, we have the TVPA, which is the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, which, I mean, Obama said in his little speech that you just played, that it has received bipartisan support. In uh, 2000, they passed the first TVPA, and they just reauthorized it last year, unanimous vote um, by Congress to pass that. And that um, it, it has a strong prosecution, prosecution law for human traffickers, as well as providing a lot of resources for trafficking victims once they're identified, both foreign and domestic trafficking victims. So I do believe that we have government, federal government support for it, but it's getting local law enforcement trained. Um, the fact of the matter is when they go on raids to um, farms or factories and they round up people that might be undocumented workers, they see undocumented workers, they see that crime, and they might not see the bigger picture that perhaps those people are actually labor trafficking victims. When they go and they arrest prostitutes, they're arresting prostitutes and they're not looking at the fact that they might be in the, the sex for sale industry against their will. They might be trafficking victims. And so local law enforcement has got to get trained and we've got to have local state governments uh, putting that funding there in order to get the training. I know speaking with uh, police officers around the state of Oklahoma, they don't know what it is. Um, I've talked to some, they're like, oh, yeah, we got a video, like a 15 to 20-minute video from the Department of Justice that sort of gives an overview about what it is, but they're not making that connection that it's um, the prostitutes that they might be arresting on a daily basis. And so there's got to be that local law enforcement level. There's got to be laws, more structured laws, laws that work for prosecutors so that they're not just um, a law in the books that has no meaning. There's got to be um, teeth to it. 
And so I do think that we've got to have more local and state government intervention in order to get this thing really going. And we've got to have more shows like yours and, and more um, publicity about it because people don't know what it is. They're just starting to hear about it, like in movies like Taken that came out last summer, um, things like that. That's when, oh, I saw that movie. Is that what you're talking about? No, that's not here, is it? That's not in the United States. Yes, it's actually in the United States. It's actually here in, in your state as well. It's in your city. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And then they need some time to sort of process that. But we definitely need the government to step up and and fund it and then make it a priority. Yeah, I just wonder if um, I just, you know, I hope they will. I just wonder, I mean, there, there's so many things that they're they're trying to get involved in. And this, this is such a huge, huge problem. Uh, doing some research, I mean, I see it happening in all states. I read about some... Yes. Uh, stories in Iowa, I mean, the heartland mm-hmm. of America. Uh, you just heard a news report from when they busted that house here in Florida, and there's been a couple since then. So, yeah. um, is there a, Kansas is, has a huge, huge trafficking problem. It's just all over, isn't it? Yes, it absolutely is. Well, how, um, I mean, I've been out on the road a long time, and uh, how can you tell, though, if there's a difference between, uh, like, uh, some of these prostitutions uh, in the truck stops, uh, that it's not just, you know, girls working the night and, and or if they're really trafficking victims. I mean, how how can you, um, what, what are some of the ways you can determine whether or not, you know, someone might be a victim of human trafficking? Okay, well, one thing is going to be the age. The TVPA, the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, that federal law says if they're under 18, they're a victim of human trafficking um, if they're out prostituting, that they, under the federal law, they cannot consent to have sex unless they are 18 years or older. So obviously selling themselves um, is going to fall into that category. They cannot do that. I mean, it would be like if a man, 35-year-old man, went into a junior high and had sex with a willing, consensual 14-year-old. Um, he'd still be prosecuted for statutory rape. Uh, there's no difference then if that 14-year-old is at the truck stop and she is um, selling herself or selling sexual services to the truck driver who's 35. It's still, at the very least, statutory rape. Um, then you add the, pros- uh, the prostitution and the solicitation on top of that, and then because of TVPA, it is in fact a trafficking case because a, if we say that a child cannot consent, then clearly she's been manipulated into the prostitution um, at the truck stop. So age is going to be one of those things. If it's during the daytime, you have to ask yourself, why isn't the kid in school? Um, why aren't they there? Another sign, they might have bruises. Uh, scratches on them. We had um, two girls from Iowa, um, from, excuse me, from Ohio. They were cousins. They were abducted um, by a man and taken to a motel or his home. And he um, had, he basically, he raped them and beat them and um, sort of threatened, I'll kill your cousin if you don't do what I'm asking. Um, and so he sort of conditioned them over time. He made them turn a lot of tricks before he crossed over state lines and went to the truck stops. It was a truck driver who noticed that they looked particularly young, um, sort of scared, nervous, and so he called that in, and it turned out they were kidnapping victims, they were trafficking victims, and uh, those girls were rescued, one at the truck stop that night and the other one about a week or so later. 
at that home where she was uh, first abducted. So um, any type of abuse or fear, um, are they nervous around you? Are they sort of dead in the eyes? Um, we had a trucker call in under our truck, Truckers Against Trafficking. He sent in an email and he said that um, he was at a truck stop and none of the women spoke English. And these would obviously be foreign nationals who have been trafficked in None of the women spoke English all day long. They were working in a little stand, like, selling food. And there was somebody that spoke English and sort of barking orders at them, and they were doing all the cooking and all the serving. And then at night, those same women were the ones banging on the trucks uh, to, to solicit uh, for sex. And so they were prostituting all night long. He's like, you know, I didn't know what it was before. I just thought, you know, I, he goes, I don't really know what I thought but it just sounds like trafficking. They worked all day long. They worked all night long. They didn't speak the language. There was somebody telling them what to do the whole time. All The only English they spoke was the prices for what um, they were selling their services for. That was all that they had been taught. And so clearly that could be an example of human trafficking if they're not speaking the language, if they um, seem to never get a break. Um, most prostitutes have pimps. Pimps is just a nice way of saying a human trafficker. Um, we've sort of desensitized that term in society. A pimp is sort of a cool thing to be anymore. Um, our number one Halloween costume in the United States of America is a pimp, pimp costume. And so we've sort of made that into a hero, and we've made the prostitute into the, the criminal. And it, we really need to sort of flip that. Um, most of these prostitutes have pimps or traffickers, and so these um, victims of human trafficking, these prostitutes, and we need to start looking at prostitutes as potential victims, um, they're having to turn over all their money. They're not able to keep any of that money. So you can ask these questions, you know, how long have you been working here? Where do you sleep? A lot of times the traffickers move them from location to location, so they won't even know where they are. Um, some of the questions you can ask are pretty simple. Where's, where's the grocery store around here? Where do you go grocery shopping? They probably will not know because they've been moved from location to location so as not to build those relationships. Um, where do you sleep? They might be sleeping in different motels. This, this is an indication that they don't have a home that they're going to. They're, they're at somebody else's, um, under somebody else's control in what they're doing. And so these are the types of things that you can uh, look at. We have on our website, truckersagainsttrafficking.com, a wallet card that has red flag indicators that has questions that you can ask, and it's downloadable. You guys can download it straight off of um, truckersagainsttrafficking.com. We can also send those to you if you uh, send a request to our website, chapter61.com or truckersagainsttrafficking. We can send you those wallet cards um, that have those indicators on there, and so you can just start looking at them in a different light. But I think the first thing is sort of restructuring in our brains when we see a prostitute, that we stop seeing them as a criminal, as somebody that's lesser than us, as somebody that's sort of dirty as a person, and then we start seeing them as maybe she doesn't actually want to be here, or, or he, because there are some boys that are obviously trafficked as well. Maybe they don't want to be here. Maybe they're being forced into this. I want to investigate this further. I want to look at that and start looking at the age. Um, we had a trucker that came to the Big Rig conference, uh, the Big Rig convention here in Tulsa, and he said, that there was a girl, she, he said she couldn't, she was fully made up, high heels, mini skirt, all of that, and that she could not have been more than 14 years old. She could have been younger, but he said even with all that, she only looked at least 14. 
and her trafficker walked her to each truck cab, and then he stood outside the cab of the truck while she did her services inside, and then he took her by the hand, and he took her to the next one, and she, he stood outside while she did her services. I mean, that would be a clear indicator as well. She's obviously still in the grooming stages where he has to be there watching her. He hasn't broken her sufficiently, so he's, he's you know, guarding her to make yeah. sure she does it. Yeah, and I just wonder, um, I mean, truckers may just look at that as, you know, you know they're, they're just a, a, a prostitute doing their thing, but um, maybe never never really understanding this uh, human trafficking element. I mean, right. when um, if you suspect someone's a victim, uh, you have to be real real careful on how you approach it. I mean, if you start Absolutely. asking a lot, a lot of questions and start trying to pull them in, let's say you're trying to pull them into the truck in, in an effort to rescue them, you could literally be putting their life in more danger, right? Right, and the Department of Justice stresses that you don't try to do the actual rescue yourself. Um, it's a $32 billion a year business. Um, the traffickers look at these victims as commodities, and if you are trying to take away their moneymaker, they will go after you. You could potentially be killed or, or injured. The, the victim themselves can also be killed even if they have nothing to do with the rescue attempt. So that is not what the Department of Justice or the FBI or any law enforcement would want you to do. What they ask you to do is call, and what we're asking truckers to do is call the national hotline, which is 1-888-3737-888. Sort of easy to remember how they chunk it up, 888-3737-888. And basically, um, that goes to Washington, D.C., to a national hotline, and that national hotline has law enforcement in every single state that's been trained in human trafficking, and they will relay that message immediately back to them. The positive to calling the national hotline versus local law enforcement is that when law enforcement gets that phone call from the national hotline, it is immediately red flagged as a potential trafficking case, and the right people are put on it. And um, then the right measures will be taken to protect and to rescue versus just to criminalize and prosecute. And so they'll go in there um, looking for those girls, investigating those things. And we have had a lot of truckers actually call into the national hotline. We've been on a couple of other radio programs and people that have come to the website, they have called in those tips. And I know our local FBI here in Oklahoma has been like, thank you so much. We got a, a couple of tips from Florida and from Iowa, and we sent those. I just called. I called the national hotline, but I also called my FBI guy, and then our FBI sent it to the right offices in those states and was like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome, perfect, thank you, because you guys, the truckers of America, are the eyes and ears. You guys are going to see it. Um, traffickers like to take the victims of trafficking to truck stops and rest stops because it's a transient population. You're always on the go. You're traveling across the country and they don't want relationships to develop with their victims. They want to make sure that they can continue to make money under um, basic cover and that nothing's going to happen to them. So if truckers start to say, um, I don't know if that's an actual process, I think that might be a victim of human trafficking, I'm going to call in. I think that just sort of looks odd to me. I'm going to call in. And they start to readjust how they're viewing it. I, I guarantee you we'll see a huge change. Um, in rescues, and we'll see a lot of 
of girls and boys being rescued from this life. Yeah, I was seeing where uh, a lot of tips had already come in, so people are really getting involved. So that, that's Absolutely. just great. And just the, the more awareness that we can make of it, because like we said earlier, it's uh, one of these things you look at, you know, you, you, at first you think, no, that, that can't be going on, I mean, right here in America, but it's amazing right. that it does. Um, so that hotline number, again, is one eight 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 three seven three seven eight eight eight. Correct. And uh, our call-in number here at the show is 347-826-9170 if you'd like to be a part of the show. Uh, the one reason I wanted to bring that up about how dangerous it could be to the, to the victim, even if you're trying to rescue them, is uh, I was reading a story about a little girl who was uh, nine years old. I believe she was nine years old. I think she was from Peru. And uh, she was taken from her family and uh, put put into the sex trade and this human trafficking thing. And, um, I mean, at nine years old, I mean, she should be playing yeah. with dolls, you know, and being a kid. But here she was in, into this thing, and and um, she she became defiant one day against her captors and just said, you know, she just wasn't going to do it anymore. And, and uh, the captors took a knife and slit her throat. Now, she survived. And uh, eventually, you know, she was rescued, thank goodness. But uh, so that's one one thing I wanted to get across to truckers out there. Because, see, me, it would be hard. Because me, I'd want to jump in there and just grab them and rescue them myself. Right, but, right. But uh, these are dangerous people, I mean, that could do that to a nine-year-old child. Uh, so I, so ultimately, j- just call, call that hotline, hotline number and... Um, and like you said, it's a red, red flag. If if that call is coming from that hotline number, then they know it's serious and they're going to jump on it. Right. And any information, I mean, if you're talking to that girl and she'll give you her real name, I mean, th- this is the problem. A lot of these trafficking victims have been so threatened and abused and um, psychologically and mentally broken down, physically beaten, their lives threatened, their family lives are threatened. They've been given a cover story, a fake name, a fake age, uh, where they came from that's not real, this entire background story, and they're not going to really m- move away from that because they're scared of what could happen to them or their family members if they do. And so it's going to be sort of tough. If um, you have that opportunity to get to know them or if they give you any information that you can pass along to the authorities, that would be wonderful, but but no, absolutely not. Do not attempt rescue on your own. That will only lead to problems for the victim as well as yourself. It's it's not a good choice. I know well, it's they, hard. Well, they, yeah, I mean they could. Uh, I mean they could just disappear in the night, and never be seen again. Right, and you would never know. Right. Well, let me ask you: Have um, have you taken this plight to uh, uh, like the truck stops of America? Um, talked with any of them to see if they can get involved? We have been attempting to contact different truck stops and rest stops. One of the things that uh, we would like to see is that our posters, the posters that have the national hotline number, the posters that sort of describe the problem, be put up in truck stops across the United States so that both victims of trafficking, a lot of times the only time they're allowed to get away from their traffickers are to go to the bathroom to get something to drink in one of the stores and stuff between the tricks that they're having to do. And so if they could see that number and memorize it, it's a pretty easy number to memorize, um, 
if they could if we could get those posters up that would be great and um, we'd like truckers to help us do that because uh trying to contact the local headquarters of the truck stops they're sort of resistant to getting involved in any type of um venture with that because they don't want to be associated with it. Um, however, certain trucking companies have, in fact, put up the posters in their um, lounges, the truckers' lounges, and in the restrooms. They've put those uh, posters up. They've asked for cards to put out on there, the counters that are free of charge for, the, for um, truckers to take. And so we have had some local success with that. Um, but what we're trying to do is go through the trucking companies um, speaking at the conventions, the big rig conventions, we will be at Gatson, Dallas in um, August. And what we're trying to do is sort of go from the top down, get trainings done, safety directors. If safety directors know, you know, if your trucker is caught with a trafficking victim, that the truck can be impounded. We'll have all, or, all sorts of problems with that. If truckers know what to look for, um, and they're willing to call in, you know, if we can get that information sort of funneled down, um, we just think that we're going to see a huge shift in um, in America and we're going to be able to see an end to human trafficking at these truck stops. So we are trying to get the posters out there. We're trying to get the wallet cards out there and we're trying to sort of create a buzz about the situation. We're not quite a year old. Truckers and trafficking is not quite a, a year old yet. And we've had some pretty good success um, partnering with certain groups. Um, I know we're going to be having a video come out in um, June of this year that will be trucker-specific that can be piped into the media in the cabs of the different trucks, and we have a few trucking companies that are interested in using that um, and getting that information out to their drivers. Um, we would just we would love to see our posters up. We would if you guys have contacts, all you listeners out there, we would absolutely love to do that. We we've got posters. Your companies can print the posters and put your name put the company's name on it as an endorsement of uh the national hotline of ending human trafficking. We are willing to talk and hear your suggestions to um spread the word about this. Okay, let's um got a lot of people listening here. Let's grab a couple calls here, get some people in here. Um, uh, I'm just sitting here kind of amazed at what you're saying. Uh, um, I'll call out your area code, and that's your cue that you are on the air. So area code, uh, caller from area code 501. Go ahead. You're live on the air. Okay. Uh, this is Dorothy Cox with the Trucker Newspaper. Oh, yeah. Hi, Dorothy. How are you? Just fine. I, I've talked. I've talked with Lynn from Chapter Sixteen. Sixty-one. Minutes. That's my mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've talked, and I did an article about that, and I've written four, five, or more articles about truck stop prostitution, trying to get the word out there that it's not just a harmless act, you know, for work, you know, right. among work girls. And I wanted to say that I've talked to several truck stop chaplains, and, uh, you know, I can get with you later and give you names and stuff, but they have said that they are willing at truck stops to pass out flyers. And uh, this was before I knew about this program, but they were willing to pass out flyers to um, people that they thought might be prostitutes. Um, 
you know, to get them help. Wonderful. So you might Absolutely. go that way. We would want that. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. are working with um, Christian, I mean, the, sorry, excuse me, the Transport for Christ. We're working with Transport for Christ, and I know that they're working with their chapels to get our posters out there, but absolutely all of the different resources and different networks we can work with would be wonderful. So please do email my mother, and I will get that from her. <laughs> okay. I'll do that. Okay, great. And, and Dorothy, you're with uh, the Trucker.com. The Trucker newspaper. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the largest... Um, uh, trucking newspaper there is, isn't there? I think it's about the only one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know it's big, and uh, I've read one of your articles earlier where actually these um, uh, chap- chaplains being on site of the truck stop actually helps to deter this type of activity. Isn't that right? That's what they've yeah. told me. I've talked to a, a truck stop owner in the Northeast who actually did not want to be identified, but he said... Uh, once the presence of a chaplain is there, the prostitution tends to kind of die out. The problem with it with that though is that they just go someplace else. And uh, Joe Hunter, who's the founder of Truck Stop Ministries International, told me that it's just they always try to minister to the prostitutes when they're at a truck stop, but that it's so hard, like you guys were saying, that the obstacle is that the pimp doesn't want to lose his meal ticket. Right. Right. And that right. a lot of these women, they're so beaten down, they've probably been sexually abused as a child, and maybe that's why they ended up on the street and or they're on drugs. They don't think they're worth it. They don't think they can do anything else. Right. So um, there's a – I want to mention a couple of programs that I think are really doing well. One is the Prostitution Diversion Initiative in Dallas that was started by some Dallas cops. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay. they're actually going in and staging, uh, not exactly a sting, but they, they once a month they go in and try to gather up the prostitutes from about five truck stop locations there in Dallas. They assess their mental health needs, their trauma needs, uh, their physical health needs, and they work with them, and they give them an option of getting out, going through a program to try to get detoxed and to get back on their feet. And they've had some success with that. And then there's another program started by cops in uh, Washington State, and they enacted a law that finds the john or the man that's soliciting from a prostitute, and they uh, impound the guy's car, when he's caught soliciting, if he's a repeat offender, they impound the car. He has to pay a hefty fine, like at several hundred dollars, to get his car back, and that money goes into a program to help get prostitutes out of the lifestyle, and that's been very effective. That's really good. I know they have so, John schools, too, where they educate the Johns about who they're using and um, sort of tell the stories of several of the the prostitute slash trafficking victims and about the sexual abuse and all of that stuff to sort of sensitize them to that, which is good. Yeah. Okay. okay. So well, I think the key thing seems to be is to get the, the police involved to actually recognize that it needs to be flipped, like you said, that it right. needs to be John who is the perpetrator and the, 
the victim the is, the is the trafficker, right? If, uh, Dorothy, how can Kyla? What's the best way for Kyla to get a hold of you? Um, she can call me here, or I'm at dlcox at the trucker dot com, or okay. I'm at one eight hundred six 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 twenty seven seventy extension twenty three. Okay. Okay. Okay, and we'll forward that to her too to uh, make sure she gets it because it sounds like you've got a lot of a lot of good things there, a lot of good information uh, that can help her move on with this issue. So uh, appreciate you calling. Um, and uh, like I said, I know I know you were from uh, the uh, the trucker dot com, which is huge. So you've done a lot on that too. So appreciate you calling in. Um, let's go to area code. Um, uh, let me pull it up here. Area code eight one five. Uh, go ahead. You're on the air. Hi, Alan. This is uh, Andy. Uh, we're Cobb out in Dixon, Illinois. Yeah. And uh, just checking in on your on the program here, and I um, uh, just wanted to bring uh, maybe to um, uh, Kyla's attention uh, uh, a development you and I had spoke to exchange some emails about it, and uh, what it has to do with is um, specifically related to rest areas, not truck stops per se off the road, but this is uh, rest areas uh, along the interstate highway. As uh, some of you may know, um, uh, the state's being pinched for, for dollars, or some of the states have just arbitrarily closed many of those down, pushing truckers, you know, to find rest at other other locations. And and um, and what your program tomorrow, I understand, is on Jason's Law. And um, there, there seems to be an awful lot of chatter uh, on the Internet and with various states, uh, at least the governors and, and some of the senators now, uh, trying to put forth commercializing uh, these rest areas like you would find along tow road rest areas where you'd have, you know, restaurants and gas stations. Mm-hmm. And I've been uh, responsible over the years working on tow roads in the development of those rest areas. And and I think that if we were able to do that in the rest areas along the non-tolled interstate highways, that a lot of the, not a lot, but some of the problems that we experience out there in terms of safety and the the type of behavior you're talking about, I think, could be somewhat reduced, you know, because you'd have, um, you know, a commercial entity out there, and you'd also have probably a lot better lighting and and that type of thing. So I just wanted to bring that to maybe Kyla's attention that, you know, that's maybe something else that's brewing that could be could be helpful. Thank okay. you. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, you know, that's really a good point, Kyla. Have you... Um because uh, I spent years out there, and I've seen the activity at the truck stops, but I also saw actually worse activity in rest areas. And uh, Yeah, and, and that's definitely one of our target zones with Truckers Against Trafficking is at the rest areas. A lot of those girls are sort of going in between um, the different zones. The rest areas are definitely a hotbed for that. Yeah, it is, and... Um, uh, like we were saying earlier, I know a lot of uh, a lot of awareness is being brought up about this. I know Trucker Desiree has uh, has been uh, working on this uh, human tra- trafficking for about a year, and uh, uh, she has links and everything up on her site. And uh, I was just handed a note to get her on the air, and I get people on the air just as fast as I can. Uh, so anyway, but Trucker Desiree's on the line right now. Go ahead. 
Hi, I'm in, a, I'm in the one spot I can get some service, and I have to go deliver a load. So, yeah, well, um, I, take the, the, I take the calls as they come in, but go ahead. <laughs> the guy uh, that just mentioned the Jason's Law and the rest areas things, um, one of the things that brought up when his uncle called you on your show was that um, Jason had chosen to leave a, a truck stop because he had had problems with them before because of some of the activities and then went to the rest areas, and that was when the two-hour issue. And I've seen activity at both places. And when I first made call calls about the truckers against trafficking, I was saying, you know, sometimes you go to a tr one truck stop, and there's a lot of activity there. And then you might go to one that's across the way, and there's not. So I see it sort of as a management issue at particular ones where there's um, – activities that are permitted or somebody's looking the other way while they're going on. Right. Um, you know, and, and I brought up a couple times that, you know, sometimes these people are really, maybe they're not paid as much as they think that they're worth, and somebody comes along and says, we're going to give you this much money to look the other way, and so some other things are taking place that shouldn't, uh, you know, and I, today I was trying to get these pictures out, but I did not have a chance, but I was at a Petro today in Little Rock, um, and they have a um, place where you could put a poster in the girls' bathroom. I had taken one picture of that at Starbucks the other day. I was in a women's room at Starbucks. I have an 800 number for domestic violence, some awareness information. You, you know, you don't have to live like this. Call us, blah, 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 at Starbucks. And this is something that I've been talking about for a year for a number of different topics that they should have in the women's bathroom at the truck stops. And so I saw this empty poster um, holder, uh, clear plastic thing in the ladies' room today at Petro, and I thought, well, that's a perfect place to have it because in these ladies' rooms they sell the studded condoms and they sell the sanitary um, wipes for herpes and HIV in the coin-operated machines that are right. visible from outside of the bathroom. So what is the message that we're having there? that it's okay to have, um, you know, studded condoms and, uh, you know, kill germs, but you can't have any awareness. To, and, I, and, I, and I actually ran into this same problem when I tried to hand out um, Jason's Law brochures at a truck stop. I tried to leave some Jason's Law brochures, and um, I was solicited in the parking lot to, for gold chains and, and the, some of the items that they sold there were questionable, but they found that I wanted to leave these Jason's Law brochures not acceptable. So I think we kind of really got to take it to a little bit harder to some of the truck stop chains. And right, say, and you know I know. What? We've got to get in with the corporate uh, group so that they make it a mandatory thing because there is a lot of um, individual truck stop owners, I mean, yeah, the truck stop owners and operators who are, are turning a blind eye to it, and they're not—they mm -hmm. have not been responsive thus far in allowing for the posters to go up. Not all of them; some of them have. But um, I think that if we can go from the corporate down and get those posters in there, I know they have those poster holders that are there. That the, our posters will slide nice and easy right in there, and it's got the information on it. It's got the hotline numbers on it. And those types of mm -hmm. things are, are absolutely essential to getting that message out and to getting um, the victims help, that they at least see that there is an option for them, that there is an out for them, that 
our services that are waiting for them if they can just make that call. So I would definitely mm-hmm. agree with you that it's it's been a difficult process. There was one lady that I met on the I made a Facebook fan page for the Real Women Truckers and a woman got a hold of me who she started driving when she was 16 um with her dad and her uh, when I put up the truckers against trafficking information she right away said she's involved with domestic violence shelter she said I would love to see this for the domestic violence because a lot of people out there who even like me who were raised in trucking didn't know that it's not okay to do this or see this yeah and um She's were very active in Alabama, and I talked to her. We've talked on the phone a couple of times and stuff, and she's been in, in trucking all of this time. And so it, there is a lot of um, grown women now that have gone in, taken over the family business or what have you, and there is a, just a, a, a lot of people that we can network with and get them involved in this. And I think that if they see that we are we are going to keep our eyes open, um, we can make some serious changes in a short amount of time. Absolutely. I would agree. I'll find so, you on Facebook. I'll, yeah, it's um, Real Women Truckers Facebook fan page and Desiree Wood. And I'm going to let you guys go because i got to deliver this load, and um, I'm in the sticks. <laughs> Just pulled oh, over and okay. put on the blinker so I can call in. So, Okay. <laughs> Take care. All right. Bye. All right. Thanks, Desiree. I appreciate it. And yeah, she's been pretty heavily involved in it, Kyla. So that's have, wonderful. Kyla, have you ever um, have y'all gone uh, or planning on going before Congress? Have you or have you actually done anything in D.C. to bring more awareness to this, or is that in the plans? Um, that probably is in our future plans. It's not anything on the books right now. What we're still trying to do is work with. Um, get our message out there to truckers, um, and we're going to be doing that by going to GATS um, in Dallas and the Mid-American Trucking Show, Transport for Christ is taking our posters and our information down there. They'll also have a computer with our website on it down at their booth um, in Kentucky in March. And so we're trying to hit as many of the trucking shows as possible to talk, talk to individual truckers to make presentations and to try to contact the big trucking operators and then we would, you know, we're open to whatever possibilities come up there that, that's going to get this me- message out. Because we we really do feel like the truckers of America could be the next great abolitionists. I mean, we have listed in our history books Frederick Douglass and William Lloyd Garrison back in the Civil War times. I mean, I really honestly believe, and all of us do at Chapter 61, that the truckers could be the heroes of this um, modern-day slavery of human trafficking that we could, you guys could... Um, stand up and say not not anymore, and we're going to do something about it, and that you guys would be listed as the the big abolitionists of our time. So um, we'd like to get more funding. I think if truckers start to call in, what's going to happen is if we get a lot of truckers calling into the national hotline, it's going to bring national attention to the issue. And when it starts to bring national attention um, to this specific group of trafficking victims at truck stops, and most of them are American girls and boys, but mostly American girls. Um, if it does that, what's going to happen is there's going to be more funding allocated to law enforcement to get them trained to see what uh, the red flags are to, to, to view these girls as victims and not criminals. It's also going to put more money into domestic services. Right now, the TVPA while it is for all trafficking victims, almost all of the funding is going to foreign 
victims, and I'm not trying to deny our uh, foreign victims of trafficking any uh, resources because they deserve everything that we, we have to give them, but our domestic victims, our American victims, also need to have that funding. We'd like to see more rehab houses created. There are some rehab houses across the United States. We need a lot more because we feel that the truckers can identify them, and then we're going to have a lot more victims that need that help, that need those services, and that, that money is there federally. We just want to create such a national attention, such a buzz about it, and get law enforcement at the truck stops and get these girls rescued at the rest areas at the truck stops. The truckers can call in what they see wherever they happen to be, restaurants, um, the motels, um, and places like this, that we're just going to see a tremendous shift nationally towards, oh, my gosh, we have domestic victims of human trafficking Let's step in and do something for them. Let's change the laws. Let's strengthen them. Let's make sure that this is taken care of. And so um, maybe Washington, D.C. is down the line. Maybe um, we'll see that happen. But right now our focus is getting that message out there to the individual truckers. Yeah, and, uh, and there's 4 million of them out there, 4 million yes. active drivers. So that's that's a that's a, a big number. And you know, we, talk, we talk a lot about... Uh, you know the women and, and the sex trade because that's just obviously the the largest aspect of the human trafficking and and I know there's a, I had said earlier that uh, we had seen that 20,000 people are trafficked into the U.S. each year. Aren't aren't most of those um, just from like poverty-stricken countries and they're they're just kind of trapped into this lifestyle? Right. They're promised jobs um, most of the time up here as waitresses. They're promised their papers so that they won't have to travel illegally to this country. So they're sort of given like the the golden dream. You'll have a job. You'll have your legal documents to work here. You'll only have to work there a couple of years. Then they get up here and it's sort of like, oh, well, you owe us $10,000 and you have to work it off in this industry, whether that is the sex industry typically for women or forced labor. Um, I know here in Tulsa we've had two girls just recently, two women I should say, recently rescued. One was from Guatemala. She was trafficked in from Guatemala to a Chinese restaurant here in this area, and she was forced into labor. Um, She was also sexually abused by the owner, um, and she was discovered at a hospital having a baby. That's how they, they rescued her. And then the other one was trafficked in from Germany, and she was forced to be a stripper and she was not receiving any payment for that. Um, her traffickers were getting all of the money from her her exotic dancing. So you have those foreign um, nationals that are brought in under the pretense of lies. They're told what they're going to have, and then, of course, that's all yanked away. Any um, identification papers are typically taken from them so that they can't ask for help. And once again, our law enforcement, if not properly trained, will view them as undocumented workers or illegals, and they'll be criminalized and deported um, instead of receiving the services they need. And that is about 17,500, the Department of Justice estimates, it's about 17,500 foreigners that are brought into this, trafficked into this country every year um, for slavery. But that is very, it pales in comparison to the amount of American kids that are trafficked mostly into the sex trade. It is between two and 300,000 um, minors in this country, American-born, American-raised kids that are being trafficked into the sex industry in this country every year. That's just unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, a horrendous problem. And, I, it, 
And then on top of this problem is I'm reading where uh, many of these people, I guess, I guess maybe right here in America, I, I know abroad, are sold into this uh, human trafficking deal uh, by their own families. So, right. I mean, this this is a heck of a battle. Right. And a lot of our American-born kids, um, a lot of them have experienced sexual abuse. I mean, uh, traffickers, they have some traffickers behind bars, and they'll tell you, uh, you put them on a playground, and they say that they can pick out the ones that they could traffic within the first five minutes. They're looking for the ones that are sort of already abused, uh, whether sexually or physically. They're looking for uh, the kids that are sort of more vulnerable, that have high levels of insecurity, um, homeless kids and runaways are very high um, top priority for traffickers because they are going to be needy. They need food. They need a place to stay. And so they can be easily manipulated and sort of sucked into this industry. And so um, you do have some parents who prostitute their kids out um, because it brings money into the family. It supports their particular drug habit. Um, things of this nature in foreign countries, um, you have them tricked a lot of times. And then there are some parents that just outright sell their children into um, slavery, whether that's labor slavery or sexual slavery. So um, it, you, it runs the full gamut. You definitely have a bunch of different stories and a lot of different backgrounds for how people get pulled in. Sometimes it's just as simple as, a guy um, promises love and to be a boyfriend to a girl in this country and she sort of uh, doesn't have that love or she doesn't feel like she's getting that love and attention at home and this boy promises her the sort of the world. And when you have a 15 or 16-year-old girl and a 25 or 35-year-old man that can give her things and make her feel special, um, there's not it's not really an even matchup. And so the girls can be easily manipulated and then the beatings begin, the threats begin, and then the uh, trafficking out of that of that person into into sexual slavery begins, and then they're sort of trapped and they don't know how to get out of it, and they don't, and they're scared to get out of it because there is that beaten down. Just as I believe it was uh, Desiree or Dorothy was talking, and she said, you know, they're so beaten down they don't even think they're worth worthy of help. They don't even think that there's anything else they can do. I mean, that sort of Part of the traffickers' game, they they completely psychologically and mentally control them. A lot of times people say, well, they're not chained up, therefore they're not slaves. Well, they're there of their own free will because nobody's locking them up. They're walking around out here, I don't see anybody, why don't they just run away? Why don't they just tell anybody? They're so beaten down at that level and or scared of what's going to happen to them or their family because they have those threats um, hanging over their heads that... It's it's sort of a mental slavery as well as that physical slavery. Even though you don't see those chains, they're definitely there. Oh yeah, I mean it's just total control. I mean, I mean you yeah. pinpointed it there. Why don't they run away? I mean, well, I mean I, I'm sure many times they've been told, you know, if you if you try to run away or anything, we'll get your family. So right. I mean, there's a, a lot of issues here. So on on uh, on your site, truckersagainsttrafficking.com. You have a lot of good information there. I mean, there's information. It, it provides uh, what questions you can ask, what to look for. I mean, tell us a little bit right. more about that site. Um, we've got articles that you can read that have um, stories of different girls and, and boys that have been trafficked, um, both at truck stops and across the United States and into strip clubs and uh, restaurants and 
um, any venue where um, trafficking is occurring. We also have some videos that you can watch that are sort of informational documentaries. Um, we have a blog that lets you know what we're keeping up with, um, what we're doing on a, on a monthly basis, um, different upcoming events that we have. It also has links to the Department of Justice websites where you can download posters. We have our wallet card, as I said, that it was specifically designed for truckers. It has the warning, don't try to rescue on your own. It has the red flag indicators of, of somebody that would be a trafficking victim. It has questions that you can ask. And, of course, it has the national hotline listed on that. And that's in a PDF form that's easily downloadable. Um, we have uh, our newsletter is online, and we'll be creating a quarterly newsletter that goes out that sort of lets you know different trafficking issues. Uh, the Google News Alerts are on there. Like if you just wanted to check that, anything that's human trafficking in the United States will pop up um, on those Google Alerts every day. And so there will be a slew of different articles that you can read. Um, Rescue and Restore has an entire set of posters that are available. Uh, we also have a PDF of our poster on there. And so there's just a lot of different resources. If you think that uh, you've got a connection with a truck stop or if you are a truck stop or rest area owner operator listening, uh, we can provide you with those posters. If you're a truck stop, a truck driver or um, a safety director and you want wallet cards, we can send you wallet cards. We can send you this information. You just contact us through truckersagainsttrafficking.com or you can go to our um, uh, chapter61.com uh, and just uh, just hit the contact page and we can get that information to you. So there's just a lot of good information. It sort of gives you the overview and then it gives you specific stories on there. Well, th this is Donna. Um, I just wanted to uh, say a couple of things. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Loud and clear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. First, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. And the Two things I want to touch on. The first one is um, the truck stops. And I I totally believe that posters or something has to be put in the restrooms for both the men and the women restrooms. A, to make truckers aware of the seriousness. And uh, B, for the victims themselves. Now, on the other hand, if a victim really is controlled to this degree, how could they get to a phone? Is there another way? Um, what do you What do you think about that? Well, um, there sometimes there once they've earned the trafficker's trust, and I'm not saying that this happens that often. Sometimes they have access to a cell phone. Sometimes they have a cell phone um, that they've been given that the trafficker can reach them on um, when they're when they're doing their tricks and stuff. Um, they could maybe sneak a call. I'm not saying that that's um, going to happen in all cases. I know that there was an organization in Dallas that was passing out um, little compacts, and then the phone number was in the compacts, and so they would give the compact, and then it looked like it was a salon number, but it was actually the... A national hotline number. So uh, I do believe that they have access, some of them have access to phones at some point during the day. And so if they could call that number and maybe get help, it might be somebody else that they ask to call that number for them. But really, 
this is why we're sort of looking at the truckers to make those calls because you have to look at these girls and these boys, but specifically the girls, and say they sort of are voiceless. Um, they don't necessarily view themselves as victims. They view themselves as sort of used, unworthy people, and this is just sort of my lot in life a lot of times, or they don't understand um, exactly what's happened to them. And so if the truckers will stand up and say, you know, I'm going to make that call, something just does not seem right, something um, is off here, this person looks scared, this person looks sort of deadened um, to everything that's happening around them, um, they look really young, they look nervous, I'm going to make that call for them, and that's what we hope. Um, obviously, if a victim sees it and can make that call, great, but we also want... Um, the people that are not in that situation, that are not being victimized, to make those calls for them, to sort of stand in the gap for them. And that's where we hit the truck stops again, because from what I can see, uh, that's where it's all going to happen. And I think at the corporate level, if these uh, truck stops knew the seriousness of what's going on, uh, that they would actually make sure that this literature or posters are placed in these restrooms uh, to rescue these victims. Um, I'm just really surprised to hear that uh, they they don't want the posters or they're uncomfortable. I have a feeling if that was uh, taken on a corporate level and they heard this call tonight, that there would be a, a different decision. Right, and we would love to get our posters in there. We would love to get this information dispersed. And if, um, as I said, if anybody's listening that has those corporate connections or people that that we could speak with, please send us an email on chapter61.com or truckersagainsttrafficking.com and let us know because we will gladly make those contacts. We will gladly, um, you know, work with anybody that, that can get us into those because we, we've just not had a lot of success and obviously it's going to be impossible for us to go individually to each truck stop in America. We've got to do this in a more systematic, organized um, form and we want to make sure that it's sort of corporate policy that these posters get out there because you're right, both the male and the female truck drivers need to know what it is, what's going on and I have to say at the Big Red Convention in Tulsa, 9 out of 10 truckers were horrified by it. When they understood it, when they asked the questions, they were like, well, I didn't look at it that way. They really wanted to do something to change it. And they, some of them took posters and said, well, I'm friends with this um, truck stop operator. I'll just have him put this up. Um, I want to I wanna make sure that my friends see this. Let me have more wallet cards. I'm going to pass these out to my friends. So I do believe that most truckers are going to be appalled by this, and most truckers are going to want that change. And so we've got to get that information out there, and we've got to raise awareness about this issue. Uh, I was also very glad that um, I had spoken to Dorothy Cox earlier today from the trucker, and what happened was actually um, Desiree called me to read me her article that she wrote. Uh, she had picked up the paper while she was on the road, and I got so excited to know that somebody, you know, within the uh, the trucking industry uh, from the trucker.com was actually involved in this. 
that I called and left a message, and she called back. And that is really uh, very enlightening because a lot of people uh, read that paper. Mm -hmm. And to be able to get this topic out in that kind of atmosphere with those many viewers, uh, that that's huge. And I'm so grateful that she did call in tonight and and offer uh, what what she knows and the work she's doing and the research she's doing. Um, she did send me uh, five of her articles. I'm going to read them tonight. I really didn't find out about that um, article that's in the February 1st issue right now um, until uh, this afternoon. And by the time I spoke with her, it was already about 4.30 in the afternoon. So um, that that's really uplifting to, to know that we have such a... Um, an organization uh, doing this kind of research. So right. uh, thanks again, Dorothy, and I'm so glad she's going to be contacting your mom. And, um, you know, we, we need a lot of people on board. Um, you know, even if you have a smaller blog, uh, it doesn't matter. It, you know, the more people that are aware and don't want to live in denial because I think so many times, when things are uncomfortable, we do want to live in denial, that safety mechanism that Alan was speaking about. And we can't. We can't live in denial. This is real. Right. Yeah, and Kyla, that uh, uh, Dorothy's site, the, uh, the, thetrucker.com, would be a great asset because uh, uh, she was being pretty humble, but that's... Uh, probably the largest uh, trucking newspaper in the country and their website uh gets gets about 49,000 hits a day so uh Yeah, she wrote an article about truckers against trafficking and I know a lot of calls um came out of that so I mean she's awesome. Yeah. I was so glad when Desiree uh called me and read me that article and uh I thought wow this is great. I think we're really going to um be able to to nail this and 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 get a phenomenon going in the country for within the trucking uh, industry. But we have to get the truck stops on board too. We've got to get a hold of Natso and and you know everybody has to pitch in. And right, and the more calls to Natso and the other um, big national truck carriers the more calls that they get from truckers instead of outside sources um, just sort of demanding that these things take place, that that concern is being expressed about the trafficking issue at truck stops and rest areas, they will stand up and notice. We've contacted them. They have expressed an interest. They they recognize that it is a problem. So the more truckers that call uh, both the national hotline with their actual tips and um, their organizations, their own companies, um, the the big carriers and say we we want to see a change we want to see action on this I think that we're going to be able to make a really concerted effort and put a huge dent in the the human trafficking industry I really do I mean I truly absolutely believe that if we have the voices of four million truckers behind us um, there will be significant changes significant changes and that lives will be saved well, yeah I think so too and I think the buzz is really being created and you know. Uh, 
it's just the awareness is such a big thing because, uh, you know, mentioning a minute ago about just letting, you know, the truckers were just, you know, appalled or surprised at this. I, I can relate to that because all the years I was out on the road, uh, I had my door knocked on many, many times. And I have to be mm-hmm. honest with you, Kyla, I never once, human trafficking never crossed my mind once. Right, right. And and now looking at all this, and, and especially when I started diving into it and doing research and and like I said, Iowa and and all over the country, and then uh, bring it into the into the in uh, from other countries into the U.S. and the story of that little nine-year-old girl. Um, Emma, we we've even heard the president talk about it, and Hillary Clinton talked about it. And uh, but it, it it's time to do more than talk. And I think the awareness is such a big key here. And I think we're doing a, a, a getting started on a really good role here. I agree. Thank you for letting us come on and talk about this. This is, I mean, this is exactly what needs to happen. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, and I wanted to tell people um, if if they want to take this player and 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 embed it and you know let people hear uh, from their own viewers or, or listeners and share this information, um, they can do that. They can just you know log on and get the embed code after it's uploaded in the archives. Um, you know, it's viral. They say, you know, viral is the way to go uh, now that we have the Internet. And when you want information, um, you know, you just make it easy for people to get it. Yeah, and it is. All our, Kyla, all our shows are archived, and you can just go to the show from the home page, and you'll see a little uh, button there that says Share. And uh, anybody can take the uh, HTML code just for that show and put it on their website. And once okay. I shoot, it, once I shoot it out across the um, the internet here, I'll be doing that after, shortly after the show ends. Uh, we have a global listening audience of, audience of 100,000. So once it gets like Donna's saying viral, it'll get out there and and really get going. So. Um, um, just uh, I appreciate you coming on and giving us your time and uh, stay in touch with us and let us know how everything's going. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. And what's that hotline number again? <laughs> it's one eight 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 three seven three seven eight eight eight. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Kyla, Kyla and um, you're an inspiration to all of us. We appreciate everything you do. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, so um, uh, Kyla Lieberg of Chapter61.com, and that's with the number 61, Chapter61.com, and in conjunction with TruckersAgainstTrafficking.com. I'm just just really surprised once I started looking into this, and uh, like I said, all the years on the road, you know, plenty of times I had my door knocked on, I, I saw this activity, uh, I saw this activity a lot in rest areas, and uh, the truck stops, uh, you know, I always just looked at it like, you know, well, that's, you know, prostitution, it goes on. The rest areas were a little bit different. I would see cars pull up, uh, men in the cars, they would let the girls out, they would leave, and they would come back and get the girls, but never once did I ever think human trafficking. It never crossed my mind. Uh, so it's all about awareness. So 
with Chapter61.com and TruckersAgainstTrafficking.com and other websites. We're trying to get this information out there for pure awareness and letting everybody realize that this is a serious, serious issue and a dangerous issue. And keep in mind what we mentioned earlier, you don't want to try to rescue them yourself. That would be... Uh, that would be my problem if I was still out over the road. I would want to try to rescue, but like the little girl I, I talked about earlier, her captor, nine years old, actually cut her throat. She lived and survived and was eventually rescued. But human trafficking is the second largest criminal activity next to drugs, and we all know how dangerous that is. So the best thing you can do uh, even if you just have a suspicion, you don't have to be certain. If you just see the signs, uh, call the national hotline 1-888-373-7888 and go to truckersagainsttrafficking.com. Uh, there's uh, downloadable wallet-sized cards you can uh, uh, download and keep with you. has the hotline number, questions you can ask, signs that you can look out for. Uh, this is a huge problem. And uh, we can get enough people behind us, uh, like Kyla said. Um, eventually, we can see something from the government. They know it. They know what goes on. It's just a very tough, tough issue. But there are literally hundreds of thousands of lives being destroyed by this human trafficking. Two hundred to three hundred thousand people in the United States, like Kyla said, that's massive. And uh, nine and a half billion dollar worldwide industry. Uh, it's just a terrible, horrific crime. And four million truckers on the road uh, can make a huge difference. So I hope you stand up. It's like our friends at the American, the American driver says: stand up, speak out, or accept what comes. You can make a difference. Call the hotline if you see any suspicious activity, and help rescue these victims of human trafficking. So special thanks to Kyla Lieberg for coming on the show and sharing her expertise. Uh, we really appreciate that, and uh, we'll stay in touch and keep everybody informed on what this can do because we can make a, a vast human trafficking movement here in this country and bring this more to light and uh, save some victims of this human trafficking. So, uh, And, Alan, uh-huh. you're going to upload this show um, to Trucker, too, right? That, that's another way people can listen yeah. to the re replay. Yeah, yeah, I was going to get to that. And uh, uh, all the shows are on our archives, our place in our archives at uh, blogtalkradio.com slash truthabouttrucking and has a little share button. You can share it. You can uh, get the HTML code and put it on your site. Uh, once it's shot out across the Internet, we have 100,000 listeners global, worldwide, So, and that's that number is growing every day. So... Um, just uh, appreciate Kyla coming on again and and uh, get involved and uh, call that hotline number if you see anything. Visit truckersagainsttrafficking.com and learn what you can there. And um, appreciate everybody tuning in and listening, uh, everybody in the chat room, all our callers. Um, our next show is tomorrow, actually, Thursday, February 18th, 2010 at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, when New York Congressman Paul Tonko will be our special guest to discuss House Bill H.R. 2156, uh, better known as Jason's Law, which will provide more safe and secure parking for our nation's truckers, uh, another big issue. So
So I hope you'll join us for that important show. And be sure to bookmark us at blogtalkradio.com slash truthabouttrucking. And Marcus has a favorite. And as Donna was saying, we do upload most of our shows uh, to the uh, media section of the iPhone Trucker app, uh, as well as uh, you can listen to us live from the Trucker application by clicking on the Truth About Trucking Live link. So uh, check out uh, the Trucker app, the first iPhone application for the trucking industry at truckerapp.com. That's just another way you can listen to our shows. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in, and uh, we'll keep follow up on this important issue. So, we'll uh, we'll leave you with a song by Take No Glory, entitled "Beautiful Slave," which was written after learning of the human trafficking crisis. So, again, thanks for joining us, everybody. Tune us in again tomorrow night with uh, Congressman Paul Tonko. Um, appreciate you tuning in and being here with us. So, until next time. For truth about trucking lives, I'm Alex Smith. Drive safe, and thank you for listening. Every girl too old in years, seriously.